wanting to do this episode for about three months now. Um, a common friend of ours, Ali Ambayit, I ran into her on the Corniche, and I suggested that I reach out to you, and her eyes lit up, and she said, you have to talk to Sharbil. And I was a bit embarrassed to ask for your direct number back then, and she was about to give me your, you know, all of your information. And I thought I should do my homework first, because I know that speaking to you is not just going to be a casual conversation. We're going to get deep into the subject. So I got your book. I read Thank your, you. I actually read your position papers uh, from 2018 and 2019, which I thought was timed perfectly uh, right before the protests began. And I think November 2019 was the second policy paper. And I read your World Bank uh, papers going back in time. I learned a lot about your history. And I have to thank Jad Khusun for that because he delivered four, roughly four hours of a very extensive conversation with you. Two episodes that go deep into the 1980s, your work in rebuilding downtown during the Civil War, and also your own backstory. You know, I didn't know that you're an engineer and a social anthropologist. And I also didn't know that you served ministries twice in telecoms and labor. I had to go back in time. Mm -hmm. So all of that is my way of saying thank you for spending some time with me during election season. I know this is a very difficult stretch. And uh, I don't want to repeat things that have been said over and over. I think Jad Rosson did a good job at almost delivering an encyclopedia knowledge of your career. I'd like to ask you, if you can, maybe the bigger picture questions and the questions that are perhaps a bit sensitive. And I think you're the right person to ask. You served in the state. You believe in the state. There's a great quote attributed to you. Not a lesser state, but a better state, which I enjoy that uh, rational thinking. Uh, you're old enough to know Lebanon before the Civil War. And at the same time, you attract a generation that doesn't remember the Civil War, which I think is quite remarkable. Most, most citizens and estate members I meet are in their early 20s. They're passionate, they're enthusiastic, and they believe in the cause. Something else that resonates with me. This is probably the least sectarian experiment I can think of, where you're in a country that has inertia and gravity towards sectarianism. You're pushing back against that. And I think this group really did a remarkable job. Let me start with maybe a more pressing issue. And you can say as much as you'd like. It's almost like a document where you look at the lists that were formed in this year's election. And I see that Adrin, and in the case of, I think, Metin, there's a slightly different name. But otherwise, the lists tend to be on your terms. And if you can, maybe explain the process of holding on to your terms during this process and how you felt the process was conducted, moving forward to what seems like endless numbers of lists, when what should have been probably a more unifying moment for October okay. 17. Well, thank you for <clears throat> this meeting, this discussion, Ronnie. Well, the question of the elections. Elections, broadly speaking, are a very complex and intense ritual. And people like rituals. 
<laughs> they like uh, they like football. <laughs> they like uh, basketball. Where there are rules, there are emblems, there are colors, there is passion even for uh, teams that are coming from very far away. Yeah. They are a kind of exorcism for uh, or against violence. Mm. So I believe it is responding to a very basic need. <clears throat> now, more specifically, this ritual can serve different purposes. In countries where legitimacy has stabilized on certain rules, mm. let's call them democratic, <clears throat> although interferences are still there, manipulations, etc., etc. Elections serve mainly to absorb shocks or changes that happen within the society or in the environment and translate generally in reconfiguring the personnel Mm. and the discourse. Elections do not change the rules of legitimacy of uh, accepted within a society, never. Mm. In other places, elections are a kind of formal obligation because a government has to make elections and elections are a pure simulacre. Mm. where you get 99.99%. Uh, now it's becoming more sophisticated. They, they prefer getting 85. You yeah. see, it, it's better. <laughs> so it is just a, a lip service towards yeah. the external dominant setup. And in our case, elections are very interesting because they are neither this nor that. Uh, you mentioned the civil war. Before the civil war, this country knew elections. Actually, elections began in 1864 with the Mutasarrifiyah to elect an advisory council that had absolutely no power. Mm -hmm. But it was very intense because <laughs> it was an occasion to promote notables, notabilities. Right. Yes. Then, with the French coming under the so-called mandate, etc., elections were a regular, after independence, after 43, they were held regularly. And <clears throat> the parliament included two types of personnel. A small number of, of bourgeoisie, of professionals, mainly at that time lawyers, mm. very close to the real places of power, to trade, traders, bankers, etc., to the French, to the British, etc., or to various Arab movements. But these were the minority. The vast majority, majority were notables from rural areas mm. who were not very involved, actually, and the process of decisions, but who served as custodians of the population to frame the population, leaving room for the real actors to play. 
After 72, Lebanon did not knew any elections. First of all, during the war, as everybody knows, no yeah. elections. Then the elections in 92 were obviously organized by the, uh, by the Syrians who had the mandate from the American Saudi, etc., to set up. So they held elections, 96 elections, 2000 elections. All these elections were clearly managed by the Syrians uh, and with, uh, with the apparent regularity. Yeah. Now, this is important to remember. 2005 was a major break. 1559, the assassinations, the expelling of the Syrian army, all that brought deep trouble. It is significant that within, at the moment where the tensions were at their climax between the 8 and 14, so-called yeah. 8 and 14, well, elections were held and uh, practically both parties were in agreement. Why? For one major reason. All of them were very worried to slip again into civil war. Mm. And they felt, because they knew civil war and the assassinations were still taking place, they felt that it was necessary to buy an insurance policy. So they held the elections. I hope that the listeners would keep that in mind because we are in a situation that is very close to that. Then after that, 2008 was the simple reflection of an agreement that was made in Doha. Mm -hmm. So again, it was, a, it was not an election. Yeah. Then you have the interruption. 2018 was a very interesting case because the system was already bankrupt. Yeah. Macron came and promised the $11 billion, the Seder conference, as they call it. Arrangements were made. Financial engineering were already done. The, the, the presidential arrangement, as they call it, was in place. People had demonstrated in 2015 massively. Mm -hmm. So regaining legitimacy internally and exercising the fears of the bankruptcy led to the 2018 elections. What's happening now? What's happening now looks a lot like 2005, mm. meaning the region is being reconfigured. Mm. The local actors are not in any way worried about the legitimacy of each of them within his own community. Mm. And none of them is challenging the representativity of any other within the other community. Right. Meaning Hezbollah does not present candidates in, in Junye and uh, Jaja does not present candidates in Bintish Bay. Right. Okay. So why holding elections? I believe that these elections are being held because the regional arrangements are a source of deep worry to the communitarian chiefs. And they believe that they are able now because people have been despaired after the bankruptcy, the disillusions of the revolt, etc., demonstrations, they have accepted the loss of their revenues, of their money, etc. People have been 
uh, a victory has been in realized by the system, power system against the population. So from this side, they feel safe. And on the other side, that is the external arrangements, they are worried. So they needed elections to gain a formal legitimacy in expecting the external arrangements. This is what's happening. These are the elections now in Lebanon. And of course, they, they would be pleased if in these elections, some candidates who pretend being uh, revolutionaries, reformists, etc., are elected because this would only increase the formal credibility of the process. You know, I've, I've tried to do my homework and have a very uh, objective lens because I, I think there's two things that don't give citizens in a state enough credit. One is social media. There's a hysteria sometimes attributed to this group and television. I don't particularly like learning about Lebanese politics on Lebanese TV. So instead, I actually try to understand you through your own words. And I'm, by, by the way, I'm very happy you have this in both English and Arabic. I can practice my Arabic when needed. <laughs> actually, it's quite helpful. You've just laid out, I think, a very uh, descriptive and very easy to understand structural problem that has crippled this country since the Civil War. And I'd like to go a little further on what you're suggesting is two things. One, that citizens in a state is, in a sense, a properly legitimate alternative to what we've seen happen, not just since the Civil War, but any other group that is willing to engage with pre-October 17 parties or smaller groups that don't see eye to eye with citizens in a state. On the other side, which I understood mostly from this book, this is a very descriptive analysis of the economic collapse. And a lot of it is attributed to post-Ta'if years, really from the early 1990s onwards. So if you can, let's go into the political story. And something that I don't think was touched a lot on with, with Jad, Jad Ghosn, I'd like to go in that direction a bit. The political failures of post-Ta'if, and in a sense, I think it's easily described as three steps that are not that were not uh, delivered on time. The first is sectarian reform. We never had a Senate. And if my understanding is right, this is something that's long overdue in Lebanese history. Yet it always seems to be at the end of the story rather than at the beginning. So there's one example of reforming sectarianism. The other example, the Syrian departure took 15 years rather than two or three years. And you're right to emphasize that the Syrians not just occupied, but they dictated politics, local politics, to the point that politics was the way you described it, elections as a formality rather than actual agency. The third thing is the disarmament of all sub-state militia. And we have one today. That is a very big part of the narrative. Mm. Is there any way in trying to explain the failures of Lebanon with not being able to address those three fundamental steps? And I'd like to marry this with the economic collapse, meaning that Lebanon did not function the way it should have. And the reasons it doesn't function today are not so much the mediocrity or even the extreme corruption or even the plunder, this crony capitalism that we all know well that it is a structural problem that may still be with us 
and it carried on post-Syria, and it's with us right now. I, I, and I'm starting this because I did look at the book carefully. There is a section at the end, and I think it's the second policy paper on how to address something like Hezbollah, but it almost leaves me wanting more, and I'd like to go down that road. Okay. Well, you've put many subjects <laughs> in your question. I'll try. I'll try for myself at least, and maybe for the listeners to to organize the answer. <clears throat> well, I would say that the common point that I would like to clarify to to organize the answer mm. is the following. What is what is the meaning of a society and power? What is the relation between a society and a system of power? Mm. Well, there are many societies in history in the world until now that live without a specific form of organization that is called a state. A state is an instrument that pretends having something that we should call, to make things easy, legitimacy within the society, so that this legitimacy justifies the mobilization of resources. This instrument, it is the state, is justified by the need to perform certain functions. I do not think that the state is derived from race, religion, or mm. anything like that. Mm. It is one form of organization. In our region, and in many other regions in the world, actually, mainly in regions that used to be marginal parts of empires, mm. societies organize themselves without the state. I would say even organize themselves so that they could live by opposing the idea of having a state. Mm. This is the case in most of our region. This is the case globally in the Balkans and in many other places in Southeast Asia, etc., etc., in many large places, areas in China, etc. Mm. Empires do not act as I did, what I defined as states. Empires rely on the dominance, in many cases the military dominance, mm. of a small group. Mm. Actually, a, a military superstructure. This military superstructure does not care or has not the need to care about the whole society. Mm. It has to care about <clears throat> mainly two things. The maintenance of its military power, of its military supremacy, internally and externally, <clears throat> and the control of a limited number of points that constitute a network to extract wealth mines, ports, 
trade routes. The rest is secondary. Yeah. Secondary in both meanings. First of all, because these areas that are neither on large trade routes nor in rich plains mm. where you have agricultural surplus, these areas can be populated by populations where the possibility of extracting significant tribute is very small and the risk of seeing a military competition arising from these areas is also right. very small. Yeah. In our region, this applies to most of the steppic areas where we have tribes and Ashayers. Yes. Yeah. Of the mountainous areas where we have communities, mm. whether they are, uh, I don't know, uh, Kurds, uh, Alawites, uh, mm-hmm. Maronites, uh, Shia, Druze, or, or whatever. But, so what happens? If you, if you live in such a place, <clears throat> you do not see the state. It's not the same as if you were in Damascus or mm. in Istanbul, mm. where you have military, the military, the Ottoman military garrison directly. You yeah. do not have it. You have the wali who is far away, who has, for economic reasons, advantage in delegating yeah. the management of these marginal areas to whom, to whoever can do the job. You can call it emir, sheikh, whatever. But for the population in place, this guy looks very important. Mm. Looks as important, even more important than, than the, the sultan. Yeah, right. The, right. Yeah. In our books of history, people do not even, students, pupils, do not even know the names yeah. of the Ottoman sultans, apart from Selim II and uh, Abdel Hamid, the last one. Right. Yeah. We were part of that state mm. for 400 or 600 years. So we know the emir of the, I don't know whom, the sheikh, I don't know where, who were, well, small notables that the, wali, right. that the wali, big, yeah. to whom the, the wali delegated a certain function yeah. that is essentially collect whatever he could in tribute and put in his pocket uh, the part that he could spare yeah. and pay the rest to mm. the wali. And it, if at any moment one of these guys uh, played outside the rules, well, the wali could eject him or even kill him. Yeah. Okay, so this has been in place until 100 years ago mm-hmm. in our place. Mm-hmm. The idea is that the society is organized. You can call it communities, but this is a historical product. We do not believe that it has anything to do with deep religious thinking. Mm-hmm. I share that sentiment fully. I agree okay, with you. So yeah. people organize themselves, their imaginary world, on the idea that they have a za'im. Yeah. And the za'im is very important. He is the horizon. And the za'im is charged with a very heavy burden mm. that is dealing with the rest of the world, the power. The power is outside the society. Right. The power is dangerous. Yeah. So the Zaim is in charge of dealing with the external, permanent external threat. Yeah. So he has to be, he has to be supported. Yeah. So in the elections, you go to support the Zaim so right. that the Zaim can deal with the threats that come from the external world, whether it is uh, the USA, Iran, Turkey, whatever. So, yeah. okay. and, uh, so the meaning of politics and the confidence, the contract between the people and the Zaim is a real one. Mm-hmm. Both of them abide by it. Mm. 
the Zaim is faithful to the community and right. the community is faithful to Zaim. But in both cases, there is nothing called a state. We had in this region by accident periods where a strange object called state was imposed from the exterior. Mm. Well, in the late Ottoman period, the modernization tried to impose a state. It did not work really. So we had the 1860, 64 yeah. massacres, etc. Yes. Then the French came and implemented their there are classical tools, okay? Our guys began playing with it, and it's for those who are interesting. Well, the, the mandate period was very intense in this sense, mm. trying to put the state and circumvening, etc. Then we had the Shehabist period, yeah. where Shehab, who was a French officer, one people mm. forget mm. that, yeah. okay, tried to implement what he learned in the in the military academy. Right. As soon as he finished his mandate, all what he did was dismantled. So uh, in our place, you see, it's not a matter of sectarianism. It's a matter of ending a long historical period where even the attempts to implement a state were uh, vanquished. Mm. Okay, Because simply, not because we have a different mood simply because the functional need for a state is terrific and immediate. That's all. Because the state, the, the society is bankrupt and the region is being reconfigured. So uh, when you talk about all the, the things that you mentioned, well, the, the, the Senate, the Hezbollah, the, the corruption, etc., all that, in my view, fits within this play. The corruption, we do not have corruption. Of course, we have corruption like anywhere. But what is called corruption is simply the way of functioning of this contract. You know what? You actually, see? I appreciate the way you've, you've actually done something which I think is difficult. You found a way to marry history with present circumstances in a very, very digestible way. And I see it the way you're describing. Actually, I think it resonates a lot because you're, you're focusing on things that are far more important than supermarket words like sectarianism. You're actually identifying structure. I'll ask, though, I'm not so hard on the early independence years, and I'll say I wasn't alive. You were. Uh, you're, the, you're the same generation of my parents that lived long enough to see Lebanon collapse <laughs> yep. in 1975. Uh, before we started recording, we were just briefly talking about how, would, how you would get from Beirut to Tripoli during the war by plane. I would have to go to Syria all the way up to Tripoli to avoid checkpoints and khatames. I can imagine something, and you tell me if you see it the same way, that the building blocks necessary to get to an actual state were wobbly, but they were available pre-1970. Absolutely. Okay, let's, let's go down this road a bit. I think 1970 is the year that we should go back to rather than throw away. I recently spoke to Nadim Jmail, who's 40. He wasn't around, but he's part of that whole legacy, meaning <clears throat> you have a party, pre-independence, that becomes a militia in the 1970s, Kate'ib. Every single political party in this country, with the exception of a handful, pre-October 17, have blood on their hands. This is Civil War tragedy. But none of them were militia before 1970. 
And I don't think Lebanese naturally drove this country to hell. I think something that is beyond local control, like external arms. In 1970, it was Fatah. It wasn't always Fatah. That transformed into something that killed politics in the 1990s, which was Syrian hegemony. And I think, and we can go as deep as you'd like into this, I think that same problem is with us today, and it's best represented as Hezbollah's dominion. Not Hezbollah's politics, not even Hezbollah's local aspirations. The inability to reform something that's larger than Lebanon, and it's sub-state violence. Would you agree, at least in the foundation, that 1970 is the end? And we should not be so dismissive of post-independence years up until then, that we could have probably gone on the long journey of reform had this kind of machine not been part of the story. Okay, Rani. Again, your questions is so rich. I'll try not to be very long. I take liberty knowing that I can ask you these questions yeah. because I, no, no, I... Please, please. Yeah, I... Okay, you, you mentioned 1970. Yes, 1970 is a landmark. 1970, 69, 70, actually. Mm. Well, <clears throat> the Cairo Agreement and the, the elements of the civil war were built up. Yes. And one important thing then is that what remained of the Chehabists went to see Fuad Chehab asking him to run for or to, to be candidate. There is no formal candidate, but then, okay, yeah. for the presidency of the republic. And he wrote a document that is one page. It is called Kitab al Huzuf, yani meaning yes. the, the, the refusal of, of going again on the scene. And he mentioned things that, well, to be uh, summarizing very briefly, after the experience that I had, I now believe that. The forms of whether the formal or the informal rules of political life, the dominance of <coughs> uh, monopolies and the manipulation of sectarianism will end the country. And I do not want, he does not say it in these words, but do not want to go out of democratic processes. So I fear that this country is finished. And he didn't have children. There was no even Absolutely. consideration. Abs to, Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, we are now, I hope it will not go this way, we are now at the edge of changes that could slip into violence. Mm. Okay. Maybe the main reason for which violence has not exploded is that it happened that the communitarian chiefs have themselves experienced violence. Mm. So when mm. you have experienced war and civil war more precisely, you do not run easily again yeah. into fire. It's not to magnify their credit, but this is an important factor. Yeah. If you compare it to what happened in the 70s or the way things evolved in Syria, one cannot but recognize that the possibilities of slipping into violence over the past, I don't know, 15 years, mm. 
were much higher, much riskier than they were in the 70s. Okay, so this being said, another point that you mentioned, <coughs> well, the 70s, the late 60s, early 70s. Well, I would say two things here. I hope that they might be of interest not only for history, but also for the lessons they could bring. History does not repeat itself, but one has to learn lessons. I've heard the saying that it echoes, but yeah. it doesn't repeat. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, okay. Well, what happened in the 60s is that due to the state-building project of one person who is Fuad mm. structural actions were put in place. Mm -hmm. Well, the large part of our legal system was issued at that time by legislative decrees. Yeah. Okay. Not voted in the parliament. Right. Although the deuxième bureau at that time had secured a nice majority for the Shehabist period. Mm -hmm. Nevertheless, Fuad Shehab and his governments were not able to have a law voted in the parliament. Right. Yeah. The social security, the public service, etc. All yeah. that. Okay. It was issued by special powers, by legislative uh, decrees. Remember that this is also our proposal yes, to uh, manage the present yeah. situation. Okay, now, these actions, well, the generalization of electricity, the opening of public schools, all that was done at that time. Well, what was the result? The result was, paradoxically, an acceleration of rural migration. Mm. The idea was exactly the opposite. Mm. It was to develop the marginal regions in yeah. Lebanon to avoid what happened in 1958. Yeah. Actually, what happened was exactly the opposite, <laughs> as in many places, the acceleration of rural migration. Yeah. Well, rural migration brought a change, which is that the traditional notabilities in the regions who were, who had mustaches, uh, tarbouche, and chirwal, and etc., etc., were nice guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, controlling the the people there were no longer able to control and the new youth who went to the Lebanese University mm. still having in hand the lineage how do you call the, the, the Le, uh, lineage same word the, yeah, the yeah, lineage yeah. the lineage links with their villages yeah. were eager to share power and the local bourgeoisie at that time, mainly in Beirut, was so myopic, so happy with having the Suez Canal closed, having boats waiting for months yeah. to enter the port of Beirut. Yeah, yeah. They did not give the minimal attention to that. This has built the basis of a cha dramatic change in the system of power by destroying the alliance between the urban bourgeoisie and the rural notabilities yeah. and opening the field for the fight mm. among these newcomers, new bourgeoisie, who tried each of them to find the arguments where he could. Some become Arabist, other become pure Lebanist, other leftist, with Arafat, against Arafat. These were only taken from the shelf. Mm. The mechanism was that. 
This led the ground for the civil war. On top of that, you mentioned the Kataib. Well, both the Kataib and the Socialist Party, yani, uh, Pierre Jmeil and Kamel Jumblat, were two pillars of the Shehabist system. Mm, mm. When they saw mm. this social change happening, mm. and when they saw, as you mentioned, the change in the region, yani the defeat of 67, yeah. the, the last dramatic years of uh, Jamal Abdel Nasser, right. uh, the autonomization of Fatah, Yes. <laughs> uh, as opposed to Abdel Nasser. Because, yeah. okay, PLO, you know that, okay? Yeah. They went as Zaims, playing the same old game, that is, there is a change of wali. Mm. The exterior is changing. Mm. Let's position ourselves. Both of them, who were the pillars of the Shehabist system, yeah. the Kataib first, and then Kamel Jamblat, right. went in a process that is commanded by the logic of Zaims, mm, as mm, I mentioned yes, earlier, yeah. but that led to the dismantlement mm. of what was under cons- a state under construction. That's the a nice point way of is describing that, it, state under construction. Yeah, the, the point is that the, the drama in that is that, okay, themselves or their sons were killed. It has huge prices, mm. all that. But there is a disproportionality between the expectations or the ambitions of the Zahims and the results. These calculations were small, you know. Mm, At mm. that time, having Arafat in the Arkub was considered as a secondary process. Mm. You see, uh, Rashid Karami was a an essential part of the Shehabist system. Mm, mm. Okay, but the calculations of Emil Bustani, you know, small tricks. Yeah. And even the presence in the, what's called Fathlan, the Arkub region, yani, uh, was considered so, as being yeah. very secondary. What we care of mm. was, uh, you know, the center of Lebanon, Beirut, uh, road to Damascus. Who cared about that? So what I want to say is that Small errors in calculations can bring to disasters. Mm-hmm. There is no proportionality, and this is very important for what we are living today. I think that's well said, and I think it's important to, it's not something that comes naturally to memory that these are all people that were in the Fuaj Heb government. They were at the core. At the core. And I think that's an important, uh, it, it shows what they are like during the Sheb years, and it shows what they can turn into. And under d- different circumstances. So I appreciate the yeah. ability to Thank show... Thank you, just if you allow me. What I want to say is that these persons, their behavior was commanded by the same scheme that is the contract between mm. one Zahim, one chief, and, and the community. See, uh, yeah. what we ho- call sectarianism is not a matter of Senate or, or whatever. It's a matter of having a state that is not independent uh, in need to gain legitimacy from Zaims. You see, right? And I, it's a different story. No, no. But actually, that's that's important to emphasize. I, I will try to unpack this, knowing that you have both uh, history, you've lived these years, you've also meticulously studied a lot that I simply will never 
I mean, you've done your you've done your career is embedded in in this whole noble goal of reform and rebuilding and not just reconstructing, properly creating a functioning state. So I say it from my side with limited knowledge. I can't imagine Kamel Jumblat or Pierre Jmeil committing atrocities without a group like Fatah as part of the story. So in other words, the system tolerated these za'im, which you described, but the system also did not allow for anarchy in that sense. There was something under construction, which I appreciate the way you described it. I, I appreciate two things, that these people, their legitimacy comes from places that we should not turn to, meaning this old-fashioned Zaim population bond, this contract, is outdated, and it's long past its prime. But I would say that something that prevents a population's eagerness to reform and willingness to, in a way, evolve its own social contract within Lebanon, that is still with us today. The obstacle is there. So I'll give an analogy. We've lost 52 years since 1970. Two days ago was the anniversary, the 47th anniversary of the Civil War. That's at least two generations that have grown up with violence as part of politics. And that's why I tried to bring in Hezbollah to the uh, conversation. Yeah, and they're coming. That, that I can't see us moving that far down the road as long as what tore this country apart, even in its bad shape, even if even in its <laughs> very awkward power-sharing mechanism, the problem persists. And I'll go. I'll revise one point only. I agree with you that there's a a reluctance to go down the road of civil war again for the reasons you described. That there is living memory of what that can do. But I would also bet that. Hezbollah would not survive that kind of situation. And I also think that Hezbollah's capabilities deny other groups from posing any serious threat regardless. So I think the civil war threat is not going to happen. What is happening, though, is paralysis. And what is happening is that the good efforts of protesters trying to achieve power are being denied. And October 17, to me, is that last breath of trying to reform as long as violence is part of the story. And I don't think that they can be married together properly. And that's this is where I think all the sensitive conversations happen, where everyone falls into division. Okay. Again, your questions are very complex, or at least this is how I, I see them, because you are addressing the point from many perspectives. I'll try again to organize as far as I can. Well, but you let well, me know if I'm not asking something clearly, because I really no, no, am. No, no, it's, it's, yeah. it's not a matter of clarity. It's a matter of complexity I'm trying. Okay, now, well. I'm a layered first individual. Of all, no, 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 no. First of all, well, you mentioned that this situation is outdated, etc. Well, maybe repeating myself, but the various forms of organization in a society cannot be placed in 
a simple unidimensional order saying that this is more efficient in absolute terms, this is uh, more moral, this is more modern, this mm. is whatever. Mm. It's not true. The same as electoral laws. It's not, you do not have one fair electoral law. Yeah. The, the British electoral law is not fair at all. So what are <laughs> we talking about? Okay, so yeah. it's the oldest one. Also. Yeah, right, right. Now, the political configuration of a society is a historical product. It comes in a certain moment, generally a crisis, and it lasts until another change, another crisis happens. We are in such a situation. Now, it is not that the one that existed was not efficient. Actually, it was efficient in some way. Mm. What way? Well, <clears throat> what we call the, the communitarian non-state. Mm has been very efficient. It has succeeded. Something that was not easy to achieve. Many things. First of all, getting at the same time massive financial and military assistance mm. from the US and Europe and Iran. At the same time. This is incredible. It has succeeded in <coughs> managing after bankruptcy a system, financial system, and a redistributive system that irrigated, of course, not in an equal manner, mm. but the, all the population by organizing accepted massive emigration and extremely sophisticated manipulation of perceptions that kept people believing that the Lebanese banks were yeah. in good shape for 20 years Ronnie for yeah. th this is an yeah. incredible achievement they have also succeeded after 2018 let's say since 2019 to circumvene the protests by making people admit a the liquidation of their society meaning okay we have lost our money. We do not have real aggressivity against the banks in Lebanon. Mm. Not really. Losing their income, their jobs, losing their, losing their institutions, whether commercial, educational, uh, medical, all that is accepted and people are participating to this ritual of elections. This has been done because a very, very accurate mix of threat of violence, so fearing the worst. You know, people have continued talking in Lebanon. When will the final collapse happen? Actually, it had happened two years before. We are talking about capital control. There is nothing really left. So, right. so this yeah. has been success for this system in managing a mix of threat of violence, measured threat of violence, and a persistent management of illusions we will find oil and gas, okay? <laughs> uh, we will reconstruct Syria. We will get money from the IMF, as if the IMF was Santa Claus, you know? Okay, so this has worked. The cost is maybe $20 billion lost, but on top of that is a deep despair. This is a very tricky 
please. So it is an efficient system, just to make it short. This is not something that is, and this is very close, because you know, these communities, what are these communities? These communities are lineages, okay, lineages, are family ties. That is the basic system of ties among humans. This is an extremely efficient network to find jobs, to emigrate, to penetrate organizations. You know, uh, what is mafia in southern Italy? It's the same. May, may I Maf ma mafia yeah. is very efficient, you know. You, so, yes. May I interrupt okay, here? Please. You're, you're, uh, the, you know, you have a very, uh, very unique way of using words that I really enjoy. So efficiency, you're absolutely right. It is efficient in a sense that it, it, it allows us to suffer immensely and survive. Uh, it allows to uh, really put us through extreme economic financial stress and live in what should be a fairly uh, normal environment. It, it drove us all to hell. It ensures that a group like Hezbollah is preserved. That's, so, okay. so let's say efficiency is, is both in the sense that it survives, it leaves the, the political violence element roughly intact and it drives everything else insane you know you mentioned uh, Doha earlier 2008 that did not just happen casually that's a byproduct of three weeks of fighting on the streets of Beirut 2005 which is the Syrian exit and everything that went wrong after that national unity that was the way you described it I agree this is the worst type of governance possible you get everyone that hates each other to just sit down and do nothing. A year later, Lebanon pays an immense price for being involved in a war that Lebanon should not have been involved in. 2008 is political paralysis. It's ta'if gone wrong. And then after that, I mean, I, I'm sorry to beat this over and over. Hezbollah's role in Lebanon has really crippled our politics to the point that it can actually eliminate the aspirations of protesters. This is not a protest movement that just picks up and goes home. Now, I know that this is the sensitive subject. I know. No, no it's not. It's not. I'll answer you. No, don't worry. It's not sensitive at all. Sorry, not it sensitive. It's a major me part. No, not for me. In, in, these, in the um, circles of media, I think everyone goes a bit okay. in, insane on this subject. But I, I wanted to... Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's go back to answer precisely the Hezbollah point. Well... In the late 2019, we had a government of national unity, as yeah. usual. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> uh, who was a calamity, uh, ignoring even the basic fact that state was already bankrupt, that the banks were Absolutely. Sold, okay? Yeah. In spite of all the warnings that we sent, all the papers. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, what happened is that these guys were surprised it is surprising that they were surprised, but they were surprised yeah. by the uprising. As if the uprisings, and even in their uh, legal drafts, they say that the capital control should begin at the 17th of October, as if the 17th of October was a, an administrative decision. Right, right. While actually, all over 2019, visible indices that the, the financial system was collapsed were given persistently. Stopping credit, 
uh, <clears throat> uh, problems in uh, provisioning of basic Absolutely. goods, etc., etc., up to the up to the uh, WhatsApp. Tax. You're also a pioneer because in 2016 is when Citizens yeah, in a State is formed, and also you address these issues, and I marked it here, October 2018. You're talking about financial, economic, and political challenges and how to address them. Absolutely. So you're ahead of time okay. in a sense. Yeah. This is the role that we can we hope to play. Yeah. Now. What happened is that they were surprised by the protests. Yeah. Okay. They asked for 72 hours with Saad Hariri to draft a reform. Yeah. Of course, it was... Uh, okay. It, it looks we like a joke. It looked like a joke. <laughs> yeah. And immediately, that government, that national unity, broke in two parts. One part pretending they were revolutionaries, Mm. And other part pretending they were aggressed. Yeah, okay. right. Okay. Yeah. So just here. Both of them were reacting on the basis of the Zaim scheme, mm. meaning the mm. threat is exterior. Mm. Whether you believe that, well, it is a kind of <clears throat> uh, US-backed revolution, so if you bet on this exterior, you become a supporter of the revolution. Yeah, yeah. If you believe the same, you consider you are the target right. of the aggression and you defend it. The first typical case is that of the Lebanese forces. The second, that of Hezbollah. Yeah. Immediately, it took, it took 24 hours or maybe 48 hours. None of them went thinking what did happen, what were the errors, what is still kept to put the grasp on the transition period and make it manageable. None of them, mm. both of them went, one, saying, it is done by the exterior, so I will uh, jump on the wave. And the others, exactly with the same diagnosis, it is done from the outside, so I have to defend yeah. myself. Okay, yeah. you send your guys with the motorcycles, you know the story. Oh. Okay, it's an important point, I, I believe. Okay, so. And we know both are not true. We know that it's not a matter of truth. They they really believe that. Right. Really, it's, it, yeah. But I meant I meant. Um, no, I, I, sorry. I, I yeah, do sorry. not believe that. Yeah. Uh, of course, yeah. the reasons were obvious. They have been building up for ten years. Sure. All that. But how how do these actors see things? How how do they behave? And as long as they have the support of their community, how large parts of our society behave? So, see, you see what your point? Okay. But that's the central thesis of the book, I think. And I'm, okay. well, you just but I'm, I'm getting yeah, back sorry. to Hezbollah. Yes. Sorry, sorry. Yes. I yep. began with mm. that just yep. to uh, take one of the elements you mentioned yep. to, to, to uh, highlight mm -hmm. the homogeneity you see, of the, of the behaviors. Yeah. Okay. This is how this society, as long it is, as it is organized as a non-state association of communities, mm. behaves. Mm. This is how it works. Mm. This is a good example. Mm. Okay, now, Hezbollah. Okay. Hezbollah is a military organization that was put in place after the 82 invasion with the Hafez al-Assad acceptance because he was feeling threatened by what was happening within Syria and in Iran, mm -hmm. between Iran and Iraq. Yeah, yes. Okay. These are facts. Mm -hmm. Well, this military organization <coughs> in its 
field of action has shown remarkable efficiency. Again, about efficiency. Yeah. With external support, Iran, of course. Okay. But this is true. Now, what happened is that two things. That very specific organization and experiment slipped almost and uh, without even auto auto automatically mm. within the rule that governs the society, meaning becoming a duality yeah. of a zaim and a community. Yeah. Okay. Being a zaim and a community commands. It commands everything. It commands the political action. It commands the alliances. It commands the elections. It commands, but it commands also something that is very strange. That is a complete inability to exert public responsibilities. Hezbollah has not a single idea about what to do. Let's suppose Hezbollah had full power. What would Hezbollah do with the currency, with the banks, etc.? I'm deeply yeah. believing that they do not have, you have maybe individuals without, within Hezbollah, exactly. but Hezbollah as an organization has no idea about that. I agree. So yeah. what I wanted to say is that the Hezbollah phenomenon, it's an important phenomenon, is not different in nature from the rule that governs a society organized on the basis of a non-state. In this sense, Hezbollah can be, oh, okay, it's not exactly the same. In a homologous situation to other situations that were experienced, where, you know, you know a community is a group of associated lineages from rural origins. This is a community. <laughs> okay. Yes. A community, as long as it lives in its rural areas, is to a large extent isolated from major roots. It constitutes itself as a community at the moment when it moves from being in a marginal region to a central place, call it a city. At, it is only at that time. Well, this happened with the Maronites in the mid of the 19th century. Okay, let's jump. Mm. It happened with the Shia in the second, third of the 20th century. That's mm. all. Okay. How does it translate? It translates into a um, a, a thriving uh, action, both politically, symbolically, institutionally, military, all that. Okay. How does it translate? It does not translate in a state, in no way. Right. Because it is functionally oppo in opposition to a state. It translates, it, it, might, it can go into wars, absolutely right, mm -hmm. into violence, all that yeah. is a real threat. But this logic, I'm not plagiating Ibn Khaldun, but this logic, okay, ends to this community being disintegrated as a social human group and its institutions being absorbed into you. the system. You see, I, I, I mean, yes. if, if you take, if you take, well, the people who consider themselves as Shia supporting Hezbollah, well, of course they are exposed to what's happening in the country. 
but their children. Their children are as well as others expecting to emigrate. You see, it's the Absolutely. same. You see, yeah. the, the son. So, uh, the prevailing logic that has proven some form of efficiency, mm. okay, is something that no longer can serve the needs of the real society, of the people. You see, this is the point. Hezbollah is the extreme illustration of that. You know, mm. it, it's mm. a matter of graduation. Yeah. Hezbollah is the extreme illustration of that at its climax. The others, they are... De- they have been maybe at some moment in time in a similar situation. Now they are less mm. Uh, mm. at their climax. But all that does not get out of the same frame. All that frame being now unable to address the real needs. Neither Hezbollah nor the Lebanese forces nor any other rest have any possibility of imagining managing a state, managing the society. You see in the elections, yeah, they don't even present their slogans. They are talking about confidence, faith, and loyalty. So the link between the basic contract, strength, and loyalty. You see, the basic contract between the Zaim and the community. None of them has any ideas. No, no, sorry. No, no, no. It's actually, it's very rich. uh, Yeah, but this is a rich rich area for exploration. And I I promise you this will not be the rest of the conversation. I want to touch on other things that are uh, meaningful to citizens in a state. In particular, what's happening now. But but allow yeah. me to go a step further. The, the social explanations or the social phenomenon or even the, um, the societal lexicon which pervades across Lebanese society, whether you're in the south, in the north, in the mountain, whether you're a Lebanese forces supporter or a Hezbollah supporter or whatever. Or anything in the middle, yeah. Everything in the middle, yeah. What a, what a crowd. <laughs> so that, that whole, uh, the plate of all that it means to be Lebanese, I think that's that's entirely accurate. What you're describing is, is what, how we live in this country. I will take one issue, though. The reason why the Lebanese forces, for example, is not... Uh, nearly as problematic in terms of reform and I don't mean reform in the absolute sense I mean the foundational sense is because they're not a militia anymore that's the story that ends in the 1980s in 1989 1990 so when we talk about this group today it's collateral damage to the system you can almost yeah. measure it right (laughs) I'm trying to be careful here Uh, even Harakat Amal yeah their footprint in terms of how they can actually subvert, we know what it is, and it's contained. Uh, every other group, Ishtiraki and all those other groups that were that have blood on their hands during the war, you can actually imagine a situation where they'd be forced to take some consideration. Hezbollah has one unique value that all the other groups had during the civil war. And they have it now. I don't think they have it because of our societal flaws or whatever they are, our uh, our society, the way it functions. I think this is an imposed disorder. I tell you, Ronnie, okay, you take in the example of the Lebanese forces. Okay, Let's take back the Lebanese forces. Well, the Lebanese forces in the 80s, when the Israelis invaded 
most of Lebanon and came to Beirut. Okay, well, <clears throat> the Lebanese forces were in coordination with the Israelis. What is called the War of the Mountain, how did it happen? The Israelis left without organizing their retreat mm. with the Lebanese forces. They had also contacts with some intermediaries from the uh, Druze side. They retreated. The Lebanese forces were completely uh, smashed. Yeah. And uh, Jaja fled to Der Amar where he stayed several months. So what led to this defeat? The fact that the external supposed ally left them aside. Okay. So again, the fear from the exterior. Okay. Yeah. One other event. In the beginning of the 90s, well, Jaja was a major supporter of the Taif arrangement, mm -hmm. etc. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Not saying that Amir Jada did not have blood on his hands, of course. Well, but nevertheless, at that time, uh, if the Americans, Warren Christopher was coming weekly to Damascus, yeah. had asked to let Samir Jaja aside, he was abandoned again by the Americans. So again, to get back to Hezbollah, you know. But he was abandoned, abandoned as a disarmed head of a uh, disarmed militia. Yeah, okay, in the 80s he was armed. You know, yes, you but, know, you know the, the but, pressures, yeah. the pressures yeah. that the uh, Lebanese forces exerted on opponents living in eastern, uh, yeah. what's called eastern regions during the 80s was terrible. was terrible. Was yeah. terrible. Yeah. It was, uh, now Hezbollah is exerting pressure on people on the south, mainly during the elections. But the Lebanese forces did the same and more. You see, so they were strong. They were strong, uh, strong at that time, yes. and they lost threats because their external uh, support, a backer, tutor, uh, tutor, uh, yeah. okay, <laughs> yeah. abandoned them. So, and and what I want to say is that the same story is able to be repeated. But what reform, we say, reform couldn't have been possible in the 1980s. That's true. Absolutely. Reform in the 1980s, you would impossible to imagine. You were trying your best in the 1980s to do something very big, help reconstruct downtown, but it, no, it, it, it stops in 1980. No, I want to respond again on Hezbollah yeah, before yeah. getting to that. Well, you know, you mentioned also Nabih Berri and Amal. Okay, well, what made Samir Jaja at a moment in time become the chief leader among the Maronites and then uh, Michel Aoun? And what led among the Shia? Because in this logic, this is how it works. Uh, Hassan Nasrallah became the chief leader, removing Nabih Berri to a secondary position mm. and protecting mm. him, as it is obvious now in the elections and the yeah. okay. These are changes that happen through what is perceived as being uh, violent and successful clashes. This is how it means. And let's take mm. one example. Mm. Now, the vast, a significant proportion, a majority of our citizens who believe they are Shia, because in my view, this is a different story, of course, well, feel in the same time, have a feeling of pride because of the achievements of Hezbollah. And in the same time, they have a feeling of being threatened 
because of that pride. So when mm-hmm. Hezbollah comes and say, what is happening? When you have people from, I don't know, uh, let's take uh, Faris Said, for instance, or uh, Ahmed Fatfat, saying that it is I an Iranian you, you occupation. you actually pointed to them, actually. Yes, because <laughs> that's well, where they are. I, I know the place. Okay. <laughs> so saying uh, Hezbollah is an Iranian army of occupation or something like that. Well, what is the reaction of Hezbollah? The whole world is threatening us and plotting against us. So mm. actually, on both sides, mm. each of these actors gains support because both of them only deal with their community. But so fa- you see, fa- it's, Faris Said, yes. in wherever he is, up in the mountains, yeah, or okay. Ahmed Fatfat, further, further yeah. Yeah. their leverage to, to, to paralyze our political life is minuscule compared to what yeah. Hezbollah can do. Now, that, that's my point, is that the reform in 1980s would have been impossible with something like Samir Jaja's Lebanese forces and the population under that kind of political nightmare, if you want to call it politics, yeah. would have been impossible. Now we're in a climate where it's assumed that something like Hezbollah is tolerable and you can do reform yeah. alongside it. This is where I get into, I get, right. I get confused that we have a problem that is as big today, if not bigger, but the appeal for reform seems to push that yeah. aside and say it's just something we cannot really, it's something that is existential, but we can't touch it. No, no not at all. I, mean, I, I would mm. not use the word reform okay. because it is polysemic and can be very ambiguous and mm. used for mm. many purposes. Yeah. What I was trying to tell you is that neither Hezbollah nor uh, Faris, I mean, Aim Asim or Faris Said, are in competition within the same society. You know, mm. Mm. they are not in competition. Mm. Yani Faris uh, does not, is not presenting, if you were talking about elections, again, in Bintish Bale, and yeah. uh, uh, Hezbollah is not presenting candidates in Kisrawan. So, yeah. so that's, see, that's fair, yes. Okay, no, yeah. but that's important. Yeah. Okay, what we are doing is acting on the whole scene mm-hmm. by ignoring voluntarily this silo compartments you see th- this is the mm, point mm. now when you talk about <clears throat> the last point you mentioned yani uh, the relative weight okay what i'm and reforms well, our position is not a matter of reform it's a matter of rupture what we are saying is that mm. this situation that the whole society or most of this society, of our society, still recognizes as being the state of the world. This is how mm, people mm. behave now. Okay, Even the so-called opposition, they organize groups who present candidates in one circumscription. Okay, They cannot imagine being on the same discourse, on the same position from the extreme south to the extreme north. They yeah. do not even imagine. So when I say that this configuration of the society has failed and there is an urgent need it's not a fancy an urgent need for something that this society did not accept that is a state that is confident in its legitimacy mm. you see so it is not a matter of reform it's a matter of rupture yeah. you would say how translating a need into a fact okay because if people are losing losing their referential. This is how they see the world and it doesn't work anymore. What do they do? Actually, they do two things. 
they escape, but they take with them their imaginary yeah. imagination, yeah. okay? Or they retract like turtles, you know? <laughs> it's true, yes. Really, yeah. in what they call, I don't know, uh, uh, groups, uh, whatever, yeah. okay? Or communities, because communities are also yeah. defensive structures, okay? Yeah. With a shell and with... With yeah, a shell yeah, and, and we are different from them, yeah. okay? Formally, we, we greet them uh, on official religious... My shell uh, is uh, bigger than your shell. Yes, okay. okay. So, but, <laughs> so this is the situation. The problem is that all that has collapsed. What has collapsed is not a banking system. What has collapsed is not a group who was ignorant of, I don't know, of... Uh, uh, of laws managing budgets. It's mm, it's mm. far beyond that. It is a whole socio-political system that emerged during the 70s when we had in the same time a civil war and due to the oil boom, a yeah. massive inflow of dollars. Yes. Okay. We gained this society. This society has its rules. Forget the Constitution. Nobody cares about the Constitution. There is not even one item in the Constitution that is applied. The reality acts. So this is finished. The question is now, when it is finished, meaning the society is under transition, is there a possibility of making this transition managed or will it be left going along the road as it goes. This is the central point. This is why we are addressing our position to everybody, but also to the leaders. Why? Because they are the communitarian leaders, the Zaims, yeah. because these are the guys who have been entitled within the confession communitarian system mm. with the support by delegation. Yes. You see, yeah, so... Yeah. Telling them, listen, guys, you know very well that okay, some people might like you or dislike you. This is not the point. You are functionally unable to manage this transition. You know, you I see. I okay. So I will from I, from Nasrallah to Jaja and all, all all the others between. You see, I, I will fast forward to the last two and a half years because that's something I think we have yeah. to. We'll we'll go into and I I will only ask your opinion on, on one thing. Yes. Um, and by the way, I appreciate this. You know, I don't have this opportunity to actually engage somebody in your position who's doing two things at once, really. Patiently trying to explain to somebody half your age, if not less, uh, where everything went wrong, and also offering a vision to the future. I think this is a very difficult journey. So I, I, I appreciate your... You're sincere and you're honest in your convictions. I don't think that's uh, oftentimes it's hard to find this in Lebanon. I don't think Ta'if was ever properly implemented, and that's the point. So, in other words, in other words, and I know you've already said it, rupture. I know you've already said that the collapse happened. We have to start over. I know this. I know yeah. this. But I think Lebanese should be not afraid of a civil state they should not be afraid of secularism obviously if it suits them better they should go that journey but before going down that road i think we should at least address everything that went wrong in your lifetime and mine yep. and listen Sharbet, yeah 
I guess call you Sherbet yeah, as yeah, if please. you're my friend. I shouldn't do that. Do it, please. Pleasure for me. No, no, please, why not? Honorary guest. You are obviously aware, and you've talked about it already, and your book points at it, that Lebanon has a problem, and Hezbollah is not a problem per se, it's the capabilities of Hezbollah that are problematic. Why is it any different this time around, where you have a situation, and you described it, October 17, 2019, the president of this country has a security arrangement with Hezbollah. The prime minister of this country is Hezbollah's preferred prime minister. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. And the speaker of parliament, you mentioned earlier, it's almost like a protective alternative that looks worse than Hezbollah. Yeah. That's the disorder that a group like this can create. Yeah. Why is it different now? I don't, I don't know why two and a half years later this group would be more flexible or more lenient. Okay. Well, okay. Ta'if, civil state, why now? Okay, these are the three points that I... Yeah, in, in other words, Ta'if, I mean, I don't think we should be so hard on Ta'if because we never even really appreciated what it could have turned into. And the civil state... Okay. That's the destination, of course, right? That's what everyone is... Not the, of course. It, it is an option. I mean, sorry, that's it's even until if it points in that direction. It, it's, it's an illusion, maybe. But what I mean is, how can you okay. leave this big chunk of the polit politics okay. to bet on the behaving better? Okay. Ta'if is an arrangement that was put in place because the Soviet Union was collapsing and the Americans wanted to reorganize the region, considering that this civil war in Lebanon had lasted too long and it has to be finished. This is the whole story. Because otherwise, well, these uh, remaining pure deputies would have agreed on any text 10 years before. So mm. it, it's not at all linked mm. to mm. any. Okay. So they gave, took them there. You probably know the story farther. Okay. No. What was Taif? Ta'if is many things. First of all, it is an attempt to organize the end of the civil war. The on, most on Syria and Iran's terms, which exist yes, yes, right of now. Course, of, yes. course, of course, Syria was part of the arrangement. Right. Yes. The Syrian army sent, I don't know, maybe 100 guys with the Americans uh, against the Iraqis in, Ira in, 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 in Kuwait. Right. Yes, it, yeah. of course. But, but I mean, like, uh, of course. Lebanese forces is disarmed, Hezbollah is not. That's, no. that's the whole thing. We'll yeah. get back okay. to that. We'll get yeah. back yeah. to yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, okay. 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 So Ta'if was essentially an external organization, settlement, organized by the Americans with a significant major role to the Syrians and the Saudis and everybody leading to the so-called peace process. This was yeah. life, mainly. Yeah. Now, within the text, within the text, you had several things, some meaningful, other meaningless. Mm. Okay. <laughs> That's well said, yes. <laughs> now, well, you have something called the spiritual uh, families, What's that? Okay. This was simply one of the guys who had presented that in a document five years ago and wanted to yeah, be inserted. Oh, okay, put whatever you that's want, true. nobody yeah. cares, you see. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. You have silly things, yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. You have things that do not work. Okay. You have mentions that are 
in order to disculpate the old deputies mm. who wanted again to overcome uh, political communism and they put the so-called Senate. What yeah. a joke. But see. why is it a joke, Sheldon? It's a joke. Why? If okay. it's never been tested... In we re- don't, no, we don't, it has been tested. The Senate has never been yes, tested. Yes, it has been tested. It lasted two years when the French were here in 26. Talking, no, it's interesting. Yeah, but okay. Yeah, okay. okay. Yeah. We had the general, <laughs> had a, the high commissioner who had full power. The first time the, the constitution was put in place and... President Charles de Bess at that time, the government, first time, huh, sending the project for budget to the parliament. Yeah. Okay. The parliament began discussing, discussing, you know, with the notables, you know, with the tarbouche <laughs> and the moustache, etc. Not finishing. So the budget was issued by decrees and it was sent to the Senate. The Senate blocked that. So the High Commissioner <laughs> became crazy and Change the constitution, suppressing the Senate. Okay, let, let, okay. you're right. What, I, what? Sorry, I didn't mean. You're absolutely right, but I meant so, <laughs> in, in our lifetime, yeah. we have not lived in a country with a Senate. That's really, okay. I mean, okay. Yeah, we do not have even a parliament. These are pure formal things. Mm, mm. We have five, six, or seven big chiefs who send delegates to become deputies, to become ministers, etc. This is. You know, when I was in the Council of Ministers trying to disrupt the system, I succeeded in several times in driving the debates on things that were not in the agenda. Mm, You know what happened at that time successively? Because they were not the guys, uh, the other ministers are instructed before getting to the Council of Ministers what to say on every point by a central team and they just uh, read, take the debate out of the track for which each of the ministers had the paper and he just had to read his comments, yeah. pre-written. Okay, what happened, you know? Maybe 10 or 15 ministers felt in a hurry to go to the, uh, to the, uh, to the, to the toilets, okay, <laughs> to be able to ask their chief, what should I say? Yeah. You know, so just to make the story simple, no, no, we I do not have we do not have a parliament. We do not have a council of ministers. We have a cooperative hmm. of five, six, seven chiefs. But in the post- that organized. Yeah, so, so what, what is said in Taif agreement? Yeah. Okay, in Taif agreement, they say you know, uh, when you have commitments in a constitution. Okay, just begin saying that Lebanon is a definitive uh, 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 country. What does it mean? And Germany is a uh, temporary (laughs) one. What does it mean? These are only slogans, you know. Yeah, you're you're right. But you're absolutely right. But the the reason, you know, what what prevents me from going all the way in what you're saying is that even in your own situation, you're able to live in a country okay. that's outside of Syria's orbit post-2005. And even then, when the Syrians left, yep. I wish part of the problems that began in 1970 yep. left in 2005 because there's absolutely no reason, there's no justified reason to have this kind of problem in our country until today. I appreciate that this book is focusing on the 
on two things, on the economy, on, on society, and, and as well as offering a way out of this misery. I would love, and this is a personal, personal, uh, personal desire, I would love to see citizens in a state take the road of diplomacy as well and address how to resolve political violence. And I, I wish that that was part, or maybe even a second, second section to the story, that it, it, it's just no longer tolerable to have something like Absolutely. a militia in this country. Absolutely, Ronnie. I know. I, I, no, I, uh, in our generation, nobody escaped from having, at the same time, people very close being killed or assassinated, but also having people who were, you know, in the class or friends or mm. neighbors uh, becoming assassins, you know, yeah. killers. Yeah. Because it's not true that this was the other's war in Lebanon. Mm. It's not true. Now, I would, if you allow me, just try to continue on Taif, you know. Taif is a kind of landmark that can be understood if you put it in the perspective of the situation when it happened. Now. The reference of legitimation is important because when people are lost, they need legitimacy. In our constitution, there are two articles that are the most important. One is that freedom of conscience is absolute. Mm -hmm. Okay, and the other is that Lebanese are equal in regard of the law. Okay, what does it mean in our sense? All what is mentioned in the articles 95, 22, 24, et cetera, concerning the communitarism, et cetera, only apply because the freedom of conscience is absolute to those who choose not to be direct citizens but to be part of communities. Mm. Any action, any law, any, uh, any, 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 any policy that classifies people as being members of communities is contrary to the Constitution. Mm. What we say, civil society, civil state, sorry, not yeah. civil society, that's a meaningless word. The most powerful organizations in civil society are the communities. Yeah, you know, right. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. No, that's true, actually. <laughs> okay, let's go back. You know. So the society is massively communitarian. The state cannot be communitarian. Mm. Mm. This duality, how... Is it translatable by saying two things? First of all, at every moment in public action, whether it is elections, uh, civil service, uh, civil status, personal status, okay, every citizen has to choose individually and explicitly yeah. between being a direct citizen or because our society is what it is. Mm to be treated as member of a community. Mm, mm. For those who are choosing to be members of community, equilibria, balances, etc., yeah. have to be put in place for the others. No, this is first point. Mm, Second mm. point, the because of that, the legitimacy of the state supersedes the communities. It has to take care of the communities as being a historical heritage only. They are not mukawinat. Yeah. Nothing is like right. that. Right. They are social situations that are a heritage of the past. Mm. Third, this is an urgent need 
It is not because I like it or you like it. It's an urgent need because what we have now is a paralysis, a functional paralysis. A communitarian chief cannot deal with an economic collapse. Mm -hmm. He cannot be right-wing or left-wing because if he supports in any country when you have crisis, you have chances of the government. Here you have nothing. Why? Because a communitarian chief cannot allocate losses. Mm -hmm. If he favors, I don't know, civil servants against uh, landowners, he will lose the landowners within the community and not gain the support of the civil servants who are in the other community. Yeah. They are strictly unable. So they continue launching empty slogans such as defending the deposits as if they we still had banks, you know. Yeah. So this paralysis is a threat to every and each and every person, including the chiefs themselves. Yeah. And therefore, what we are saying is, listen, guys, our, your system, we dislike it, but this is not our argument, is a threat, even to your own community and to your own person. Mm -hmm. So be responsible. Don't wait from outside an arrangement that you fear. Mm. Transfer for a temporary period power to a government that is of no community. That is not a threat for you, chief, in your own community, whether you are Shia, Sunni, Druze, or, what, or Maronite, or, or whatever. Okay, it's not a matter like, I don't know, we am Wahhab threatening the Jumblat in the Druze. Not at that level. This transition of power for a limited period of time to a government with exceptional legislative power cannot happen unless there is a negotiation. This negotiation cannot take place if our counterparts, who are part of our country, are forced because of the threats and the balance of power. And third, unless they know on what terms they are negotiating. So there is a proposal for government. We are not going into a process of elections. We are putting on the table a proposition for a transfer of power that is a change in regime yeah. simply because of the need. You see, th these points are absolutely essential. And I began with the text of the Constitution of Taif, the text of Constitution. The two most important points are a pretension to have a state, meaning all citizens are equal. Mm -hmm. Second, the liberty, the freedom of conscience is absolute. So on that point, without the Senate and the Commission and whatever, all the dispositions that apply, and all that, applies only to those who choose. And in that sense, every, each and every person will have to choose, right. you see? Yeah. And under the pressure of fears, of uh, bankruptcy, of loose of ambitions, of massive hemorrhage, more than immigration, etc., this is the moment where this choice takes all its meaning. This is the central point of all what we are trying to do. Let's let's elaborate further on that. I know that your your journey from trying, and at some point you did have some success in your portfolios in the past as a minister. And, and trying to navigate the system as dysfunctional as it is, to 2016 realizing that it doesn't help to be either affiliated with whether it's the 
Tayyar Watani al-Hur crowd or any other crowd uh, that or was it Rafi al-Hariri in the 80s yes, or, yes, exactly. okay. or was Salim al-Hus okay. 100% yes, that right. it no longer made sense mm-hmm. that you were going to go down this path instead and then from 2016 until October 17 we built the party yeah. yeah could you could you I, I'd like to ask you in terms of the the what what attracts me yeah. to this type of party and see what you what you would uh, have to add I like that it's I can't every conversation I've had with any member of this group has done their homework they have proposals that they can that they can lean on they have research that they can show um, I think in terms of trying to project a new face for politics this group stands out also something else which I really enjoy uh, you've done two things whether this is by design or not I don't know uh, the the crowd that's running for parliament are people that I would like to be friends with they all dress normally they speak casually uh, they're social media savvy they're young and dynamic and the last thing you know about them is their confession it really doesn't matter when it comes to delivering the story. They're in the north, in the south. I see them in Betroun sometimes. I know that you're running for parliament, and you're running with friends. I know Musa Khouri. I know Jair Khusun in Metin. I know Shad Najjar in Metin. So these are people that I know. Uh, there's some names that are familiar as well. Yeah. Lucien Bourgeli is on your Metin list, etc., etc. Is it by design that you wanted to have this duality, that you're the... You're the <laughs> permit me to say this the older <laughs> wise man and then you have the generation behind you this new upcoming generation that sees Lebanon differently or is this just a fluke really that you're able to do two things represent what was in the state with a group that is trying to completely transform it so just the in a way the psychology of this because it's fascinating for me there's no other group like this in Lebanon, and yeah. you, you found a space for it. Okay, let me tell you my view on that. <clears throat> well, in actually in 2015-2016, after many attempts to influence the, the process that is ongoing in Lebanon, as early as the 80s with Rafil Hariri, then in early 90s through the banking system, mm. in 98, 99 with Salim Hus and George Urim, in 2004 with Saba, 2009, 10, 11 with Michel Aoun, etc., mm. etc. Et well, what I, in most of these places, the idea was, listen, there are bets that you took. These bets did not prove feasible. Mm. When you are stuck in such a position, I know it's not easy for a political actor to say, I was wrong. But if you do not recognize you were wrong, you get stuck. Mm. It becomes very dangerous. So this kind of stubbornness of continuing in spite of yourself knowing you cannot continue, was the major, I would say, lesson I learned. And in 98, we tried at that time, because of 
what happened in 98 was mainly linked towards what happening in Syria. Okay, Hafez Assad was getting old and sick, etc. So there was a kind of fight for the succession, and we had the changes here. Okay, well, this is known now. Tried with Salim Hossa and George Urim to say we can restructure the economy of the country. The cost is still bearable. Mm -hmm. All the debt was the $18 billion at that time. Yeah. Okay. To make the story short, I don't know if themselves or the Syrians or both did not dare as far as that. Okay. In 2004, we, we made a very precise restructuring program that was discussed with the IMF, with the World Bank. Actually, I met your father at that time in Washington. Okay. Well, the assassinations happened that it was stopped. This is which, do you remember which year this was? 2004. 2004, okay. So he must have been at the IMF those years. Yes, yes, yeah. absolutely. No, no, yeah. no, no, he was in, oh. in office in, yeah, yeah. In, in Washington when we had dinner. Oh, really? Yes, yes. In if you have eight, any eight, photos. Eight, 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 2000, uh, end 2004. No, remember, it was November or December 2004, okay. okay? If you ever find a photo, please send it to me. I'd like to okay. see this a moment. Yeah. Were you so, were you agreeing okay. or disagreeing on everything? <laughs> no, I'm joking. No, 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 I'm no. It's not. <laughs> we can talk about that as sure, much sure. as you like. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, with Michel Aoun, who paid? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, no, no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> it was um, an official invitation. Okay. Good. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, no, sorry. Okay. Mm. Uh, in 2009-2010, the idea was to disrupt the communitarian system by and dismantle this band of mafia that is called the General Confederation of Labor. Yes, okay. yes. Okay. Yeah. okay, at each of these moments, when the, the core objective was close, well, whether for different calculations, whether for uh, awareness, increased awareness of the adversaries, mm -hmm. or for whatever reason, okay, these attempts were stopped. So in 2015-16, we knew very well that the system was at the end, financially. And I believe that the need for a political organization, a party, was absolutely necessary because individual action has its limits. Okay, so we constituted citizens in a state as being a tool for one precise situation that we foresee, foresaw, that is the financial and economic collapse. Mm. Okay. It's not something where we have an ideology saying that this is the end of history, we are going to take you to heaven. No. Mm. So, yeah. It is a tool designed as such. Now, getting back to the structure, okay. as a consequence of the deep impregnation of the society with the model that it has been living under for 30 years, that brought for a country for 30 years the ability to live above its means. Yeah. You know, uh, $240 billion of transfers came to Lebanon. 200 billions were spent as overconsumption. This is an amount, I have said that many times, that is larger 
in real terms than all the Marshall Plan that was designed yeah. to reconstruct all Western Europe. Yes. You yeah. inject, if you inject such an amount of money in a country, whether it is Switzerland, China, or United States, you change the society. Yeah. We are not a particular case. We are an extreme case. Mm -hmm. So what was the reaction to this attempt to structure a party? Not a group. We are a real party where people declare their revenue, their debts, their wealth. They contribute mm -hmm. as a proportional yes. system, etc. Okay. So what is the result? And it's of a very course. committed group of people. Yes, yes, I got course. to know Mohammed Faour yeah, uh, okay. before he officially joined the group. Mm. He's been on the podcast a few times. Okay. So I, there's a lot of people I actually turn to to learn from mm. in this group. So the point you're raising about the age structure. It is a matter of fact that, as a result, we are composed of let's say two large, two groups: one small and one large. Mm. The small group is people who had various but direct political experience. Mm. One of them, maybe we are ten or fifteen in that case. The rest are not very young people. We do not have many in the early 20s, okay? Mm, mm. It's rather people who are in the 30s, mm. okay? But there is a gap, there is a, in the middle, you mm. know, people in the 40s and the 50s are very few. Yeah. Why? My explanation, might be true or not, is that among those who have lived the past 30 or 40 years, well, <clears throat> Many are, I would say, if you allow me, are ashamed of what they did. Mm. So they are mm. retired. Fairly young, but, but no, 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 in the 40s and 50s, yeah, yeah, but yeah, they've yeah. already... Yeah, they have been... Yeah. They have played in the casino. Uh -huh. And once you, you see the world as a casino, you accept losing. You, know? hmm. you, you do not react. You know, it's interesting to see when the banks were already bankrupt and came asking people to reinvest with uh, bonuses promised, etc., yeah. a co full casino type. Okay, yeah. Some people reacted to that, you know. I remember explaining to, to people who are in the profession of banking, etc., listen, the the, it is already bankrupt. You say, yes, you're right, but don't you think that it will still last few months? meaning let me go again to the casino where I win at every play, you see? This logic of casino is deeply rooted in the society. And this is, in my view, what explains that people admit the loss. You know, mm. if, you, if you see the world at the casino where you have won so many times, well, you admit losing. It is not the case for the younger, okay, who are, you know, the very young are, in my view, and this is very sad, are making their luggage to, yeah. to emigrate. Yeah. Those who are in the 30s are tempted by immigration, but they have still something built here. So these are those who fight. That's interesting. You see? So yeah. you have different age categories that are linked to the type of experience mm. that they have been confronted to. Right. Yeah. I like that. So in a way, it's building for the future. Because in a sense, the, the, the crowd that I meet, which is mostly, I hope I remember, I get this right, they're mostly in their mid-late 20s and, and 30s, 30s as well. It's mainly 30s. Mainly yeah. 30s. 
that they have an appetite, which mm. I don't exist that I don't see in my age group anymore. So I appreciate the way you you're mm. framing this. I also appreciate something else. You gave time to me to let me ask you one of the most sensitive questions I could ask. And it's something that destroyed, you know this, it destroyed my, my life. Of course. Um, it prevented you from having dinner with him again. Um, and it's yep. still in our lives today. And I would much rather see a group that uh, has this capability within it go the extra mile and offer a way out for this problem beyond, beyond just saying that we need a transition. Because I think there's something, and I, I mean this very carefully, but I mean it. It doesn't seem like it's the focal point of the story, but I think it is the focal point of the story. And these, this is a path I've experienced with other members as well. Economics, easier to talk about. Pol politics, very straightforward. Hezbollah, it's not so straightforward. You found a way today to explain it in a way that was both precise yeah. on your terms and, and, and very deep. So yeah. I think it's the first time I've heard you say it this way. It means a lot to me. Please, that's it. Okay. And I want, to, uh, I want to wish you best of success in this stretch. I know how difficult it is. I've met, I've met so many people running, and y you see most of them on the highway when you look up. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, thank so you, Ronnie. But listen, yeah. I I happen to know your father not many occasions. I mentioned the meeting we had in Washington in the end of 2004. Then when he came to the Ministry of Finance, he was not surprised by that. But independently, apart from the dominant classification of 8 and 14, etc., mm. mm. uh, several deep clarifications on the process of public finance were immediately, without hesitation, done by your father. Uh, this might look as being a simple action. It is not, because this shows at the level of uh, public responsibility something that is unfortunately not very common in this country, that is the autonomy of decision, you see. Mm. Uh, this was not in the mood, and I must say that I had the same experiment, but not successful, with uh, with others, ministers of finance or others. You know, it happened that I I knew Rafi Hariri very closely for a long period of time, mm. and I had a major uh, disagreement with him yeah. about. Uh, entering as a private investor in Solidaire mm -hmm. while the arrangement was the Syrians as yeah. a Saudi with beginning, this is a different story, okay. <clears throat> well, but in spite of that, knowing most of these persons who have become very important, well, okay. Uh, on points that had significant effect on mainly the management of public finance, okay, almost none of them dared uh, getting out of the path that had been put in place to make stories simple by Fuad Senor. Mm, mm. uh, your father, without hesitation. Uh, it's, it's losses. You know, uh, what thing that you asked me, we are now working to constitute the National Civil Assembly that 
disputes all the existing system on its legitimacy, whether the parliament, the government, etc. This is very sad to say, but <clears throat> people who seem the most aware of the responsibility and have significant courage to go into it are not only in their 80s, but in their 90s, you know. <laughs> uh, no, and it's very sad, believe me. Uh, you know, people who have been through all the changes, the painful changes, the loss of hopes, and who dare considering all that as being uh, not a state of the world, but changes, are older people, are elder people, elderly people, because most of the population now, apart from the poor Syrians that nobody looks at, yeah. as if they did not exist, that they were transparent, they're becoming the majority of the population with the immigration now. Okay, most of the population in Lebanon now, sorry to finish by that, have lived in something that they knew was a casino. They were not yeah. unaware of that, you know? when when it became almost a kind of obligation to have a Bengali or Filipino maid at home, you know. When you look at the process of social promotion, as they call it, mm -hmm. uh, how, what was their, their ownership, what was their way of living themselves, men, women, etc. Maybe the children do not know, but they know, okay? yeah. this jump was not for them something natural. It yep. was winning at the casino, and, this, and the logic of casino is, has been rooted very deeply. Uh, and without that, I could not understand the passivity of people against all the losses that they have incurred. I'm sorry to finish by a sad description, but... No, but that's, uh, <clears throat> I think it's an appropriate way to end this conversation, because even though you need a bit of optimism to pursue politics. I think it, it comes with the territory. And you need not just ambition, but you need a lot of patience when you're campaigning and it's just weeks left. Um, I think the reality is this country is in a very, very, very difficult stage. You eloquently, I think those last words are, are there's not much more that can be said. You're absolutely right. Um, I think... My children may see a Lebanon that's recovering slowly. And I would like to see the last years of my life seeing the transition for a better country. Um, I'll add that I appreciate any group that is challenging old inertia and gravity. And citizens in a state is that one group that I think is really trying. And you're heading it. I know it's, it's a group that will exist past your prime. I've had people even say this to me, that it's not about you. It's about the group. And it's about, it's about what you believe in. Um, so I look forward to meeting other members. I look forward to doing this again in the future. And uh, I don't know what to say other than thank you for your, thank this you. very rewarding uh, exchange for me. Thank you. Thank you, Sharbel. Thank you. It's a responsibility you're adding on it. Thank you. My pleasure. And let's do the handshake to officiate the end. There we go. Okay. <laughs>